Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 98 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right. Let's dive straight into part one. Of course, there was a lot to review from last week, and there's not too much to preview, so um, we're going to get with that in due course. The first thing I'd like to say, this is episode 98, as I just said, Um you know, that actually means that the Box Hard podcast started 100 weeks ago this week. There was only um, a small occasion where we just took two weeks off. We took two weeks off in November of 2016. Um, aside from that, we've we've literally banged out 98 shows after this show this week um, in 100 weeks. So it's, it is, it's, a, it's a big week for us here. So moving over now to... The reviewing, as I said, let's start in the Buffalo Run Casino in Miami, Oklahoma, USA. Um, one fight to mention, it went under the radar a little bit. Um, Torino Johnson, 20 and 1, took on Sergei Derevyanchenko, who was 10 and 0. Um, a lot of people kind of forgot this fight was happening. You know, the undercard wasn't too great, and there was a lot on, of course, a lot of distractions on last week. So it was a contest at um, at middleweight. Now, Torino Johnson was down in round 12, the final round, and that was it. He was TKO'd in round 12. I do not know what the scorecards were like. I don't know if they were, um, you know, if it was a close fight or not, but Sergei Derevyanchenko went over to the US and got a win. He was on the road there getting that victory, so he's now 11 and 0, a perfect record there. And Torino Johnson, no real shame in losing to Derevyanchenko, but. Uh, you know, he, he racks up another loss here. His record now 20-2. and two. Moving over now to the Rainbow Towers Conference Center in Salisbury, Zimbabwe. One fight to mention over there. Former opponent of Tony Bellew, Ilunga Makabu. His record 20-2. and two. He took on Musa Ajibu, 28-9 and nine with five draws. Again, we are the only podcast to have mentioned this fight. I'm sure of it. Ilunga Makubu got the knockout in round four. It was scheduled for eight rounds. He didn't need those extra four rounds. He got him out of there in four rounds. All the very best to him moving forward. Also, moving over now to... I think we should start, really, with the StubHub Center card in Carson, California. Um, Let's start with the undercard over here. I think we're going to start with the Ray Vargas and Ronnie Rios fight. Ray Vargas, obviously, you know, the British fans are familiar with him. He came over here and beat Gavin McDonnell. Um, we was all behind Gavin McDonnell that night, but it wasn't to be his big night. Um, Ray Vargas, 29-0, and stepped in here against Ronnie Rios, 28-1. and um, Ronnie Rios, you know, he, he came to fight, he came to fight. Ray Vargas, obviously, being the champion as well, I should say, put his WBC World Super Bantamweight title on the line. Um, you know, Ray Vargas, we all know he's he's a southpaw banger, and we weren't too sure if he was going to be able to stop somebody of the caliber of Ronnie Rios. Ronnie Rios, obviously, quite seasoned. Um, 
but no, you know, his, his, his power didn't really show throughout the fight, Ray Vargas. He just looks pretty big in there, you know. He's he's very big for the weight, in my opinion. And um, he managed to win a unanimous decision over 12 rounds. So he now proceeds to 30-0, and 0, a beautiful record there for the Mexican. And he retains his WBC World Super Bantamweight title. Ronnie Rios now 28 wins inside 30 fights, but it's 28-2 and two for him. And now the main event over there, Miguel Cotto, 40-5, and five, returning to the ring after almost two years' absence. He took on Yoshishiro Kamagai, whose record was 27-3 and three with two draws. It was for the vacant WBO World Super Waterweight title. You know, it was what it was. Kamagai is quite limited, but he's tough as old boots. Um, obviously, you know, the, the, the Japanese fighter took on Robert Guerrero, gave him a really good fight despite losing, and he can bang as well, you know, it was a bit of a dangerous fight. For me, when, uh, you know, when it got announced, I kind of thought, yeah, it's a good opponent, and then the closer it got to fight night, the more I kind of thought to myself, do you know what? This could be some bad matchmaking here. Kamagaya, he's, you know, he hasn't been super active lately. I said it on last week's show that he has been, but when I actually checked it out, he hasn't been that active, but he hasn't been, obviously, as inactive as Miguel Cotto. Um, Miguel Cotto, again, we all know he's seen better days, and this could have been a banana skin here. It really could have. Kamagaya came out in the first round. I think he did pretty well early doors. Um... But in the grand scheme of things, throughout the whole 12 rounds, you probably got to say he probably got maybe one or two rounds best. I don't think you could give him three. Um, Miguel Cotto actually really impressed me. As I said, you know, we all know he's seen better days, but he was able to fight off the ropes really, really well. He was the much smaller man physically. Um, you know, Kamagai's power didn't really tell in this fight. He wasn't able to land clean on Cotto. I actually think that, um, you know, Cotto's defense was really, really good. His movement was good. His footwork was good. He was spinning Kamagai at times. And, you know, most of the fight he was on the back foot. And Kamagai was just walking forward, relentless pressure all the time from him. And I think that. You know, I know that Kamagai is not no spring chicken. He's you know he's he's mid thirties or something like that. He's not as old as um, as Miguel Cotto, obviously, but there's a few years between them. But Cotto taking on a guy like that who's a lot fresher in terms of professional experience, it could have been one of those fights where if he didn't have it in his gas tank to go twelve. He could have really come unstuck in the later round, especially with Kamagai, who not only comes forward and puts on the pressure, but he can bang as well. But like I say, I was really impressed with Cotto. His gas tank was brilliant. His defensive, um, you know, elusiveness was very good. His movement was very good with his feet, with his head. Everything was just on point. And like I say, some of the shots he was winging in, he was really, really hitting him. And he looked to be the puncher out of the two, to be honest. Um, you know, a really, really, really good performance there from Miguel Cotto. Um, you know, body shots, he was just mixing it up from head to body. He just looked really, really good. A really impressive performance for my uh, for my taking anyway there with Miguel Cotto. His record now 41-5. and five. He becomes the new WBO World Super Waterweight Champion. Yoshishiro Kamagai, despite having all that bravery, just didn't have the tools to win the fight. It wasn't even close for me, but very much credit to him. The only thing I will say is, Every time he got hit with a good shot, he made it clear he was hit with a good shot. He'd kind of like take a step back or, you know, his head would swing backwards and he'd kind of bring it back round, um, you know, like centrally 
as you would do if your head gets knocked back it obviously comes back to its original position he was bringing his head back very slowly to indicate that he really took a big shot and Cotto didn't really double up on the shot in those circumstances but yeah Kamagai a very tough guy his record now 27 and 4 with two draws as I said Miguel Cotto the new champion of the world we did say on last week's show that he said he's going to be retiring at the end of the year and he did say in the ring after the fight that he wants one more fight he believes he just should have one more fight before he decides to hang him up and spend time with his family and he did hint that well he didn't actually hint it but there's been some hinting from his trainer Freddie Roach then they're basically saying that they would like to see Cotto in there with the winner of Triple G Canelo that may be a step too far but listen it was a really really good performance and um, you know fighting those guys even if he's you know, not at the right point of his career to take him on and get a win. He will still earn some nice money in there, providing he doesn't, you know, take too much of a beating, which in his last fight, I'm sure his corner won't let that happen. They'll be pretty happy to throw the towel in if it is going one way. And um, he'll pick up another paycheck there to sail off into the sunset with. And I can't really blame him. He's been a really good fighter for years and years. I think that was his 25th world title fight, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's been fighting in world title fights pretty much since 2004. So that is staggering. 13 years of entertainment from him. Right, now moving over to the... Um, to the T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada. The final card to mention from last weekend. Um, well, you know, let's start with the undercard. Let's start with the undercard firstly. We're going we're gonna to mention here, Savannah Marshall made her debut. She got in there with Sidney LeBlanc. She picked up a unanimous decision win over four three-minute rounds. We thought it was going to be four two-minute rounds, but it was extended to three minutes. That's always good to see the women fight for as long as the men there. Um, so, yeah, good start to her pro career there, Savannah Marshall. Also on the undercard, Kevin Newman the second. Um, his record 7-0 and going in with one draw. He took on Mark Antoni um, Hernandez. And it was an upset here for Mayweather's fighter. Kevin Newman took the loss. It was a unanimous decision loss over six rounds. Um, Kevin Newman now 7-1 and one with one draw. Mark Anthony Hernandez now 10-1. and one. He pulls off the upset there on the, the home fighters card. So very nice stuff there from Mr. Hernandez. Also on that bill, Andrew Tabiti, 14-0 with 12 knockouts, took on Steve USS Cunningham. We all know that Steve Cunningham is a two-time former cruiserweight world champion this fight was down at cruiserweight which you know he really should be fighting there i don't think the um the little stint he had at heavyweight was probably in his best interest but the money was good can't blame him for that we all know he's at the tail end of his career now we had him on our show last week and i did ask him the question i said listen steve what happens if you lose this fight will you consider retirement i haven't seen anything from him since then and it was really hard for me to watch it because you know He's, he's a really, really nice guy, Steve, as I'm sure our listeners know. But Tabiti pretty much won. Um, I mean, I think some some of the judges maybe even gave it a shutout, if I can remember correctly. But, um, yeah, it wasn't really a close fight. Steve Cunningham was losing in every area. Tabiti was just too strong, um, too, you know, too fresh as well. And, you know, one thing I will say, Steve Cunningham was always on the front foot trying to kind of press the action. And Tabiti was, for the most part, on the back foot boxing I don't want to say running but I know Steve Cunningham kept kind of shouting in the ring saying like you know stand and fight you know he's running he's running he's running stuff like that and um yeah you know at the end of the day 
you know, Steve Cunningham for me, I don't think he's got the legs anymore to to keep the pressure on somebody as fresh as Tabiti. So Tabiti gets a really impressive name for his record there, a not super impressive win. It was a bit of a boring fight to be honest. As I said, it was you know just boxing off the back foot, no like exciting moments, even 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 little bursts of it at all, you know, throughout the duration of the fight. Andrew Tabiti retains his NABF cruiserweight title and he picks up the USBA cruiserweight title as well. Um, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds for Tabiti. His record now 15-0, and 0, a perfect one. And Steve Cunningham now 29 wins, 9 losses and 1 draw. Also on the bill... Yuldenis Ugas, 19-3, and three, took on Thomas Delorme. If I'm not mistaken, Ugas only had nine days to prepare for this fight, but he was in good shape anyway. I actually looked at the odds on this fight, and I thought, looking at Delorme's record, he's took on the better names professionally. Ugas hasn't really took on those names, but we know he's a really good fighter. As I said, he's record 19-3, and three, Delorme 24-2. and two. Now, one of Delorme's losses... I think was a technical decision. And I'm not looking at his record now. I'm just trying to go by memory. I think he lost a technical decision and then he got stopped, if I'm not mistaken, by Terence Crawford in a fight that was very close up until the stoppage. So looking at those two losses, they're not really big, humiliating losses. And like I say, he's mixed it with the better guys. Um, so I thought, looking at it, Ugas had lost three fights. He'd never been stopped, though. Delorme was moving up in weight and he's not really a huge puncher. So I thought for me, you know, he could probably win over the stretch of the fight. And I actually looked at the odds for Delorme to win on points. It was 5-1. to one. So I included it in my accumulator, which went horribly wrong. And I'll get to that a bit later. Um, so I, I said Delorme probably win on points. Now, I had no idea that he was just recently working as an Uber driver in the United States. Um, let's talk about the fight, though. Delorme was down twice in round two. Um, a really, really bad start for him. He hasn't got the best chin in the world, and Ugas surprised me with the power as well of him. Um, remember, Ugas was supposed to be Sean Porter, but but somebody in Sean Porter's family passed away. Sean Porter was actually there in attendance, so but he wasn't in the ring. Um, so yeah, Delorme was down twice in round two. Ugas was down in round seven, though. Delorme lost a point in round six for low blows and also in round 10 for low blows both of those points taken off there in round six and ten looking at the replays it didn't even look like it was a low shot the referee was quite poor it was Vic Draculich who I'm not a big fan of just to refresh your memory he's the man that made the big confusion of the whole Rigondo's last fight when he was out the ring for about 15 minutes getting advice from Robert Bird who of course was the referee in the big fight of this card McGregor Mayweather which we'll get on to just a moment um so yeah, Ugas was impressive, but in the latter part of the fight, he faded, and Delorme came on strong, and, you know, if it wasn't for those two-point deductions, which which shouldn't have really been point deductions, because the referee was terrible, and, you know, every single time something just even slightly happened that Ugas could moan about, he was moaning to Vic Draculic, and I think in some ways he was probably influencing his decision, um, you know, his decisions to, to give Delorme a telling off, and throughout the whole fight he was doing that and like I say after 10 rounds unanimous decision in favour of Ugas he got the win but if those two point deductions hadn't came off then Delorme would have got the win so I was really annoyed because that messed up my accumulator straight away that was the first fight that messed it all up and um, yeah that's it for that one moving over now to 
the Javante Davis versus Francisco Fonseca fight. We all know that Javante Davis was stripped of his title after missing weight. If I'm not mistaken, he came in two pounds over the limit, which is really, you know, for a young fighter, especially the youngest world champion at the moment of all the current boxers, or at the moment of the weigh-in anyway, until he lost his title. Of course, he's no longer a world champion. So he lost his title. It was only on the line for Francisco Fonseca. If he won, he'd become the champion. If Javante Davis won, he wouldn't get his title, but he'd still be unbeaten, of course. Yeah, so, you know, Javante Davis, for me, I thought he was going to win by knockout within about three or four rounds. It ended up going eight rounds. Ayaz, what did you make of this fight? We all know that Javante Davis is a really good fighter. We all know that he can bang. Francisco Fonseca was bringing in an impressive record of 19-0 with one draw. Both men were undefeated. We didn't know if Fonseca had a great chin or not. He turned out to have a good chin, but to be completely honest, Javante Davis did not look like the same Javante Davis we're used to seeing. Oh, yeah, you're definitely right about that. Now, I can explain something to you, okay? Javante Davis, like, at the start, like, it was like he was mocking him. Like, putting his hands behind his back. Like, when you saw the Pedraza fight, my word. When I was the Pedraza fight, I was, I was, I was, I was watching this fight, um, this one, this fight, yeah. And I compared to the Pedraza fight, I was like, when he came up Pedraza, he's like, he's a new boxer. Like, the way he beat Pedraza, I was like, you saw Steven Smith fight Pedraza. No one stopped him. And Javon Davis stopped him. He went to fight Liam Walsh. And the way he beat up Liam Walsh is another one. And this person, like, it's like Javon Davis is like, he's reminding me of another character like Adrian Brunner, where they like to mess about. Like, for example, Javon Davis, he failed to make way. In this fight, he was putting hands behind his back, mocking him. It's like Javon Davis didn't want to be there. Okay, Javon Davis hit him at the back of the neck. He dropped down to the floor. Um, that was counted as a knockout. The, uh, the reason why it was counted as a knockout, because the, 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 that fight, he was complaining to uh, the ref saying that, oh, yeah, he got hit at the back of the neck, and the ref counted it. In my opinion, the way Javon Davis fought in that fight, he was lazy. It's like he didn't really want to fight. And he even apologized. He goes, if you see after the fight, he was getting booed because of his performance, hands behind his back. He, 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 what he, what he reminded him of that fight, reminded him of Adrian Broner. Yeah, I think Javante Davis, he seemed a little bit, um, as you said, a little bit lazy. I think sometimes he is a little bit like that. I think that can be um, a little bit to do with the showmanship. I think, you know, some people would say that Chris Eubank Jr. is lazy. Some people would definitely say that um, that, that Adrian Broner is lazy. I think it's just to do with their, you know, their style of being a bit flashy. But what I will say is something certainly was up with Javante. He came on Twitter, I think, the day after the fight and said that something happened in the build-up. Me and my team know about it, but that's about it. And I still got the win. That's all that matters. And, you know, he, he's right. He's right. You know, he did get the win. But the thing that does matter is the point that he lost his world title here. But on the flip side of that, our listeners will know and they, they should like Billy Dib. Billy Dib's been on our show a few times. Um, you know, a really, really nice guy from Australia, just linked up with Robert Garcia's, um, you know, his, his training team, obviously, Robert Garcia himself, Mikey Garcia, the rest of them. And he is now in line to fight for that vacant title because Fonseca didn't win, so, of course, the title remains vacant. Um, so I'm happy for him. It's created a very winnable opportunity with him because I think some people, if you was going to say... Billy Dib against um, Javante Davis, who who's going to win that fight? Then most people would probably mark Javante Davis as the favourite. So I, I'm happy about about this situation for Billy Dib. But looking back at Javante Davis, I thought that because he missed the weight by two pounds, I actually thought that 
he's going to probably be moving up to lightweight. But he made it clear that no, he doesn't want to move up to lightweight. He wants to try and win his title back. Um, I think he's looking at some other fights in that division. So some people were saying, oh, he's done this to try and avoid Lomachenko. That is absolutely nonsense. It really, really is. You know, when you're a champion, you don't necessarily have to unify to get, you know, the, the recognition. You are already a world champion, a proper world champion, like he was up until the weigh-in last Friday. And, um... You know, for me, he, he he's a really good fighter, but, I mean, he, let's be honest, he, he probably didn't lose a round, so let's not be too harsh, but, you know, some of the distasteful stuff, and also, what I will say, I'm not sure, because I think they probably called it a little bit wrong on the commentary, but when Fonseca was knocked down with that punch, as you mentioned, I, as the punch that kind of came around the back of the head slash neck area, um, when he was down on the, on the floor, firstly, I think he did make a meal of it. I don't think he really wanted to get back up. I think he knew that the fight was pretty one-sided, and that was his escape route, if you like. But I think that Javante Davis, right after that, went down on his knees, right next to him, and I don't know because the commentary team was saying, "Oh, look at him! He's, he's, you know, he's, he's having a little prayer there." And maybe if stuff did happen in the build-up that we don't know about, then maybe it was a prayer. But he seemed to do it in the same area, the same spot, and all the same kind of bodily actions that Fonseca was bearing at that moment. So for me, it kind of looked like he was taking the Mickey a little bit, but. I suppose we're not going to know. Um, I've reached out to Javante's team about getting him back on the show. I remember we got him on um, a few days before his world title fight in January when he became the champion in that terrific performance that he put in against Pedraza, the champion at the time. And um, he's a bit busy at the moment with personal issues. So hopefully we'll get Javante on sometime soon, but it won't be this week. Um, so yeah, leaving that fight alone there, Javante Davis now 19-0, and 0, Francisco Fonseca 19-1 and 1 with one draw. Um, the other the other fight we got to mention, the final fight to mention of the undercard, Nathan Cleverly put his WBA World Light Heavyweight title on the line against Badu Jack. Nathan Cleverly 30-3, Badu Jack 21-1 with two draws. This was a fight where I actually said that... Nathan Cleverly was going to probably lose on points. Um, I think most people believe that the you know the the favoured outcome and the favoured method of victory for both fighters was a Badu Jack points win. So here are my predictions. As I've said, there I actually picked Javante Davis to win inside four rounds. I got that wrong. Most people believe that would happen. I also thought that um, Delorme was going to win a decision, but. I didn't get that because Vic Draculic messed that one up. And I picked Badu Jack to win on points. Now, it was a shocking, shocking performance from Nathan Cleverly. I think he'll admit that himself. He came out in the first round. He just seemed to be very slow. He seemed to not be putting any power into his punches. I just don't know. I think he looked a bit shot, in all honesty. Badu Jack as well, moving up to light heavyweight. There was a lot of questions to be answered about that whole move for him, and he answered them with a bang. For me, he pretty much won every round of the four prior rounds until he got into that fifth round and TKO'd Nathan Cleverly. Cleverly, again, you know, he's got the heart of a lion. He's very, very brave. He's got that kind of warrior reputation as well for that fight with Fonfara and, you know, a few others. The one of the Bellew fights was a good one. That guy has got a seriously big heart, and, you know, he, he's the kind of guy that needs to be pulled out by the referee, by his corner. He will carry on fighting. I give him a lot of credit. You know, he's, he's a tough guy, Nathan Cleverly, big balls. But, 
It was just one-sided. It was hard to watch at times. And Badu Jack, that finish that he that he put in there on Cleverly, and Cleverly landed some good punches. Don't get me wrong, but he was being outworked. He was being outmanned, and he was just being outfought in every area. You know, Badu Jack would hit him with you know, thunderous body shots, he'd come upstairs, rock his head back, with jabs, with power punches, the whole lot, Badu Jack looked phenomenal in there, and that is the simple, best way to rip a title away from a current world champion, to go and do it in style, to win every round and then stop them before the halfway point, really, really impressive performance from Badu Jack, to be honest, I've got to be honest, guys, I did not believe in my honest opinion that he had it in him to win a fight that conclusively against somebody of the caliber of Nathan Cleverly what did you make of it Badu Jack wow I'm telling you since that loss he's had he's improved as a boxer Badu Jack since he's beaten Anthony Terrell he's gone on to fight um, George Gross beat George Gross he went on to fight Butte got a draw against Butte uh, one he should have won as well he should have won that Butte fight of course yes so he should have won against the Butte fight in my opinion, I reckon he nicked it against Degel. Ooh. Right? Now, he's moved up, yeah, and became a two-weight world champion. You can see, yeah? It's like Cleverly didn't want to be in there. Badu Jack was throwing some good punches hurting him. You can tell from the start. Like, the punches that... Well, Badu was doing. Badu was going for the body and the head. And obviously, like, you see you see it when Nathan Nathan, Nathan Cleverly's nose started bleeding, bleeding as well. Badu Jack, in my opinion, has improved. And look, I'll tell you one thing now. Now that he's become the WBA light heavyweight champion in that division, you got, in my opinion, pound for pound number one, Andre Ward. You got Kovalev. You got Jack. You got Adonis Stevenson. I reckon the net. I reckon Jack's future fight is going to be Adonis Stevenson versus Badu Jack. But and I, um, Nathan Cleverly. As for him, I mean, in the fight, to be honest, it's like he didn't want to be in there. It's like he wanted to go to later rounds, but he didn't. In the he didn't do nothing in the early rounds. That's why. That's why he got beaten badly. Yeah, and it was badly. And as you mentioned there, you know, he's looking at unifying straight away. If he means what he says, and he called out Adonis Stevenson there, he didn't mention Andre Ward's name, I don't think. Did he mention Andre Ward at all, actually, I asked? Did he say Ward? No, just... No, just Adonis Stevenson. That's fine with me. That is actually fine with me because Adonis Stevenson needs to fight a live body. And Badu Jack moving up in weight, you know, he's had the one fight against Cleverly there who was very under-impressive. And, you know, this might be a fight where Adonis Stevenson may believe that he can probably catch Jack before he really, really settles into that weight. So this might be a fight that gets his attention. He may say, do you know what, I'll have a piece of that. People have stopped, you know, hating on me for taking easy fights and easy defences. And not only that, but it will be a unification fight as well. So he may be tempted to get involved in that fight. And if he does, it is a brilliant, brilliant fight. I really, really like the sound of that fight. I believe, and and I think that you'll probably agree with me, Ayad, that's a very, very hard fight to call. Because remember, Badu Jack, he's been stopped in the first round, not by a journeyman, by a decent-ish fighter, but someone who's nowhere near world level. And he was stopped in the first round. And he hasn't really looked vulnerable aside from that one night. But everybody, and I mean everybody, in that whole light heavyweight division... You know, having a great chin or not, if you get caught flush by Adonis Stevenson's big left hand, his big power punch that we saw him clean out many fighters with, including the shocking knockout against Chad Dawson those those years ago, if he catches you with that left hand, you are gone. So for me, it's a very, very, very hard fight to call. Um, you know, it's, it's a very, very hard fight to call. Um, 
can you call a winner or do you think it's a bit too close to try and call a winner out of that fight? I mean, Adonis Stevens got freak. Adonis Stevens got power, but Jack's improving day by day. So um, I'm not quite sure. If it came to, towards fight time, then yeah, I'll decide. I'll see who can win, but we'll see in that fu- in the future. Yeah, I think I think I agree with what you're saying there. Um, you know, he's he's getting on in age as well. Adonis Stevenson, obviously, in his late 30s now. So um, we're not too sure what he's got left or what he's got. Um, how many how many more years or, or fights left he's got in in the game at that top level? Um, we'll have to see. But no, I like the sound of of Badu Jack there. He seems like he wants to get on with the big fights, the big money fights. And as they said, would you go to Canada for that fight? He said, hell yeah, I'll fight him anywhere. So that's the kind of attitude we like at the top level. And hopefully Badu Jack is a man that can, you know, that can get those fights with the money team behind him, whether it's in Canada, whether it's in, you know, the United States, anywhere else, we definitely welcome that fight. That's a brilliant fight. Now, the main event, and I've got a lot to say about this fight, Um, now we all have got to hold our hands up we all said this is a circus of a fight this is just simply um, a cash grab for Floyd Mayweather we we said we can't really blame Conor McGregor though he's making all that money on his debut fight nobody in history is ever going to make that much money in their debut ever ever again you you know unless unless we're talking like thousands of years down the line where a hundred million is literally pocket money maybe someone will do it but I tell you what um, you know we all laughed. We all laughed. We all said Conor McGregor's not got a chance. You know, I saw. Um, I think. I think somebody mentioned it to me that there was one betting shop that were taking bets, and you could actually bet on if Conor McGregor can actually win a single round. And someone said it to me, and I said, Do "You know what? I wouldn't even want to put money on that because you know, winning one round literally means winning the better of three minutes against." You know, Floyd Mayweather, the self-proclaimed TBE, but we've got to hold our hands up. He is one of the best ever. Not, not, not necessarily the best ever, but he's certainly in, uh, you know, in the in the top ten or in the top twenty. And and there's been you know thousands and thousands of fighters, um, you know, some great fighters along those years as well. So you know, he's definitely up there. He's one of the best. He is the best of this era. That's undoubted. You know, and Conor McGregor, he's only had a few amateur boxing fights, if I'm not mistaken. This was his debut. The first time he'd be in a ring with anybody anywhere near the caliber of 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 world level anyway you know Paulie Malignaggi's way past it we all saw his sparring with Chris Van Heerden he's not world level at all um you know this was this was a humongous step to make now i've got to be honest Diaz i was quite worried after three rounds because I gave the first three rounds to Conor McGregor Um, some people gave him the first two but for me I believe he won the first three but very quickly we saw that he ran out of gas against Floyd Floyd was able to fight very smart it seemed to me that every time um, they went for the one minute break in between rounds Conor McGregor would come running out of the round uh, you know running out of of his corner for, for, for the next round and he seemed to fight really well for let's say maybe the first first 35, 45 seconds, something like that. And then he'd gas. And in the second part of the round, especially, Floyd would really capitalize on um, McGregor's fatigue. And he would kind of, um, you know, very, very decisively win the round. So it was very clever tactics from Floyd to, you know, to, to basically let McGregor have his way for the first minute or so of the round and then come on and win the next two minutes very easily without having to do much. Now, what I will say is, and, you know, look, we're all boxing fans here. We're all biased. We all, in our heart of hearts, we like McGregor a little bit. Maybe we don't even like him. I'm just talking generally for the whole of the boxing world. But we just simply could not let 
a man from the MMA UFC side of the combat, you know, sports game come into a boxing ring and beat one of the best ever. We were not prepared to accept that. That is not acceptable. We cannot let that happen. It would be embarrassing for boxing. It would kill boxing. Okay? So we could not let that happen. So we all wanted Floyd to win. But those people out there that are saying, oh, you know, Floyd, he he let Conor McGregor win a few of those early rounds, you know, just to to make it competitive. That is complete nonsense. Listen, and, and those other people that are saying, oh, Floyd took those three rounds off just to figure him out. Listen, Floyd did not go into that ring in the first few rounds and say, do you know what? I'm going to eat a few jabs. I'm going to let him hit me with a good left uppercut in the first round and... and you know, react badly to it. He got caught with some body shots. Conor McGregor, what I will say, walked to the ring. He looked a little bit worried. He looked a little bit, um, you know, a little bit uncomfortable is probably the best word. When he walked to that ring and some of the stuff at the press conference the day before, the weigh-in or whatever, he seemed to be a little bit subdued. He seemed to be a little bit like, you know, he's come to realization, damn, this is really happening now. You know, it, it, it kind of, it was like it hit, you know, he hit reality. And when he got in that ring, in that first round, I thought that he looked a bit nervy. And then after he landed a couple of good shots on Floyd, especially that uppercut, that seemed to give him the confidence. And from there, he just, you know, he just ran with it. And he was really, really impressive. So anybody that's sitting here on any other podcast, any boxing fan, whatever, who's going to tell me, who's actually going to sit there and say to me, yeah, Floyd wanted it to look competitive. Why? Floyd's not having another fight. Floyd doesn't give a damn if Conor McGregor looks competitive, so he's got a career in boxing. If Floyd would have absolutely beaten the crap out of him from round one all the way to the stoppage later in the fight, then we'd probably never want to see Conor McGregor in the ring again. And we all thought that was going to happen. You know, I've got to hold my hands up. I thought that Conor McGregor didn't have a chance of even winning a single round here. But I was so wrong. Like I say, I gave him three of the first three rounds, and then I actually gave Conor McGregor a round in the later part of the fight and I haven't re-watched the fight but at the time it was either the 7th round or the 8th round I think where he seemed to get a bit of a second win but not for too long you know it was a little bit you know a little bit bad that or a little bit unprofessional I don't know what you want to call it we all know that Conor McGregor didn't actually hire a proper boxing trainer for this fight and you know he'd done things his own way and he believed that he could do them his own way and Ultimately, he's 29 years old. He's gassing that quickly. He's not used to the the pace or or the um you know the style of, of 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 how boxing fights work, especially against somebody like Floyd. And Floyd is a 40 year old man who is in tremendous condition. Some people say unnaturally. Some people say naturally. We'll leave that for other people to debate. But what I will say is. Floyd's stamina was brilliant, but Floyd lost some touches for me. He's been out the ring for two years. You can't blame him. But for me, it didn't look like the same old Floyd. He really didn't. I was kind of thinking to myself, imagine if Canelo was in this ring with him tonight. It would be quite ugly. Um, you know, Canelo would have probably beaten the hell out of Floyd, to be honest. Um, but I'm not knocking Floyd. I'm just saying he got the win. He got the stoppage that we've been waiting for for almost 10 years or whatever. The first or the last proper stoppage was against Ricky Hatton. We're not including that Victor Ortiz rubbish. But for me, we've got to give Conor McGregor his dues. He showed the balls. He showed the courage to cross over and come into the boxing ring. The only thing is, you know, he believed he could beat the best at their game. Now, 
MMA fans, and I feel for them as well, because we would have done the same thing. If Floyd decided to go into the octagon, we'd have all said, no, Floyd's going to win, Floyd's going to win. We would have backed our man. That's what you do. And they simply backed their man. MMA fans backed their man. They said, no, Conor McGregor's going to do it. Look what he did to Jose Aldo in, in, in the octagon. It doesn't really make a difference. They backed their man. And now they sound a little bit bitter when they say, oh, well, if it would have happened in a in a in an octagon, then, you know, he wouldn't even last 30 seconds. I, I agree with that, though. That is completely true. There was, there's no competition. If it goes to a, to, you know, in the cage, but you know, McGregor lasted almost 30 minutes with Floyd Mayweather in a ring. Do you think he'd last anywhere near 30 minutes in a, in a cage if it went over there? Floyd Mayweather is very clever. Conor McGregor came over to the boxing ring to do this. That's where the money was going to be made. So I, you know, I, I've got nothing but respect for Conor McGregor. He has earned so many boxing fans. He's got so many fans now over in this boxing world. And there's nothing we can do. Forget about hating him. Forget about laughing. Let's just give the man credit. The man showed so much balls. And now he walks away with unbelievable money. Absolutely unbelievable money. And you know what? In, in some ways, I think he earned it. He showed his balls. He didn't look for a way out. And he wasn't stopped. He wasn't like he got, you know, he wasn't knocked down or knocked out. He said he was tired. I think the referee jumped in. Some people saying a tiny bit early. I'm not even sure. I think it was a decent stoppage. I didn't really have any qualms about it. It was only going one way, you know, when, when Connor started gassing. But let's not get carried away as well. This is not a brilliant, brilliant win. Some people saying, oh my God, Mayweather's 50 and 0. Oh my God, he's the best. He's the best. This win was. Was expected. There's nothing about this whole fight that went surprising, apart from the fact that Conor McGregor won about three or four rounds. Some people even said two rounds. I think that's a bit harsh. I think it was at least three, but I gave it four. So for me, after nine rounds, which were scored, because you know you don't score the tenth round because that was where the knockout came. For me, I had it five four to Floyd going into that tenth round, and then of course he got the knockout. So the only thing that wasn't supposed to happen was the fact that Conor McGregor was able to out punch and outland Floyd and outwork Floyd in those early parts of the fight. That was the only shocking thing. This was not a shocking win. This is not a huge win. This is not a big win. This is what was supposed to have happened. So let's not get too carried away and let's give Conor McGregor a little bit of credit for coming over to the boxing ring to do it in, you know, in the best in in one of the best ever's actual home of boxing. You know, he didn't he didn't want it in the in the cage. He came over to our to our you know, our field of combat sports to take on one of the best ever. I've got nothing but respect for Conor McGregor. What a man. What can, well, what can I say? First of all, in my opinion, like I said to everyone, this is it's a joke of a fight. MMA versus boxing. You know what made me laugh at the start of the fight? When Mayweather came and he had his professional record, 49-0. and 0. You look, It came to McGregor, professional debut. That says it all there. A boxer versus an MMA fight. Now you look at the start, yeah. I, I was, I saw a lot of fans, yeah. They're like, yeah, McGregor's gonna knock him out. Let me tell you something, right? I've seen a lot of Mayweather fights, yeah. And the person that hit him the, the hardest, yeah, yeah, and hurt him was Shane Mosley. Mosley hit him with the right hand, and Mayweather, Mayweather, Mayweather was, was clinching again. So, so obviously you can, uh, obviously you can get the rounds sorted. Miguel Cotter gave him a good fight. He beat, he beat Miguel Cotter in style. Uh, my Donna hit him with a heart, and when you see McGregor hitting him, it's like it's not even hitting him. It's like a little tap. If first three rounds, yeah, you're right. Um, I had it McGregor first two rounds, and then I get after Mayweather completely. 
Yeah, May, Mayweather said, I thought, in my opinion, like I said it last week on the show, right? I go, the last time I saw Mayweather knockout was was Victor Ortiz. And that was back in 2011. But, and I said, I even said last week, I go, yeah, this fight's going to go to points. Because obviously, Mayweather's, since his fight, since uh, from 2011 onwards, after the Victor Ortiz fight, it's been points, 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 points against all the stars. And this time, he's knocked him out. Obviously, now, a lot of everyone, even like um, the Showtime commentator said to McGregor, are you going to have a boxing match? In my opinion, I think he should not fight. I don't think he should be boxing anymore. I think he should stick to UFC now. Um, if he does come back to boxing, there's always the Paulie Malinaji fight, if Paulie wants to come out of retirement and fight him. But I reckon, like I said, the McGregor fight, in my opinion, I wasn't, I wasn't that interested in it, and I don't, I think, I don't think the fight was at that standard. We all knew, everyone knew. May, May, I, I gave him. I said to everyone, I got McGregor. I said, Mayweather will win this, no matter what. Whatever you do, Mayweather will always, Mayweather win this fight, and what happened at the end, the results. Yeah, I think that you know, the the, the one thing I, I I kind of struggle with is the fact that we all knew Mayweather was going to win. I had money on Mayweather to win. Mayweather won me some money on winning. I actually had him to win by knockout as well. That happened, you know. I predicted that on last week's show. But what I will say is, I did not expect, even as you say there, I gave him four rounds. You gave him two. That's fine. But even to give him one round, like he even, even to say. That Conor McGregor, 0-0, zero and zero, making his debut, can win one round, let alone two, let alone three, let alone four, against Mayweather. It is shocking. So for me, I think we've got to give the man credit. And, you know, it it was just it was just shocking. It, I, I actually take back my words saying it was a circus because it turned out to be more competitive than Floyd's recent performances you know he's took on like the likes of Andre Berto who I think's passed it he, you know he basically shut Andre Berto out the fight you know he, he he didn't do that with Conor McGregor fair enough he got the knockout but it was competitive especially in the early part of the fight it was you know it was very competitive it was way too competitive it was actually worrying I was on the phone at the time it was like one minute 30 into the first round so half of the first round had, had, had gone and I was saying I was on the phone to, to someone and I was saying wow He's, he's won the first 90 seconds of this fight. This can't carry on. Surely he can't win the first round. All of a sudden, he wins the first round, then he wins the second round. And I'm on the phone again. I'm like, what? what is going on? You know what I mean? Like It, it was shocking stuff. And like I say, we all knew that Mayweather was going to win. It would have been the biggest upset in boxing history. We all wanted him to win. But let's not take the mick too much. Let's, let, let's be honest here. We know that, you know, let, let's be modest here as well. We know that Connor, you know, he's the man at UFC. He's not the man at boxing we got to give him respect for coming over here. Floyd wouldn't go over there. I understand the money over here is good. You know, good luck to him if he wants to stay over here, he wants to take on uh, Paulie Malinaji or whatever. The money will probably be bigger for him in boxing than it will in UFC. But you got you got all these other UFC fighters laughing at him, all these other boxing fans laughing at him, getting at the, the MMA fans. I just, we, I've just got to, I don't know, I, I see it differently. I, I think we've got to give the man credit. I'm glad he didn't win. But he came and gave it his all, and he's got 
again, he's got the heart of a lion. He's a tough, tough game Irishman, like a lot of Irishmen are, by the way. So, uh, you know, he showed those balls. And like I say, he deserves a lot of credit. And, and, I, and he's definitely got my respect. And he's definitely got himself a new fan in me, for sure, after Saturday night. But that is it. I think we should leave it there, because we can talk about it probably all day. Um, I've said my piece. I've done my little rant there. That's really it for part one. We've done all the reviewing. We've done all the... Um, all the rambling about last week. It's just been reviewing, really. It's gone on for the better part of half an hour. Um, Just before we close out part one, there's one last thing to do, and that, of course, is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a super middleweight contender under Floyd Mayweather's money team banner. It's, of course, Mr. J. Leon Love. J. Leon, welcome back to the show. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's always my pleasure, my friend. So first things first, Jaylee, on last week on Tuesday, I was watching the Jamel Herring and um, Ladarius Miller fight, and I heard a voice on commentary, and I thought, hang on a minute, that's your voice. How was it commentating that event, and do you like commentating on fights? It was it was, it was, was weird hearing you there. Uh, you know what, man? It was, it was definitely a great opportunity. Um, you know, I'm not really the talkative type, too much, honestly, for the people that know me. But you know, it was a great opportunity, and I and I was able to commentate. And you know, I can't really give myself an assessment, but you know, uh, I was just trying to do my best, and it was some really good fights, so it made it kind of easy. Excellent. Well, I'll I'll assess it for you. You did really well. It was good listening Thank to you. you. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you were actually supposed to be fighting um, originally. You were going to be fighting on on last week's or one of the cards on last week's. Uh, you know, last week. That's right, right? Right. Correct. We were supposed to fight either the 26th or the 22nd. It didn't really matter, um, but we just couldn't uh, couldn't work out anything with a significant opponent. You know, a real. You know, so the September 8th is now my date. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. So obviously that's next Friday on the Benavides versus Gavril undercard. Now you're taking on a man by the name of Abraham Han. Um, I know that Abraham Han has got a bit of an MMA background before boxing. Um, his boxing right. record is obviously 26 wins and three losses. Now, when you actually analyse those losses, one, he lost to Glenn Tapia. That was four years ago. The other two losses have both been split decisions, so very close. And one of those losses also was against former world champion Sergio Mora, in which he actually dropped Mora late in that fight. This is a dangerous right. fight, looking at it on paper. What do you know about your opponent? Oh, man, I remember every, um, excuse me, uh, we used to call him Abe, but we never remember Abraham Hahn from the amateurs. He's uh, always been a solid fighter. Comes from a, a, a combat sport background, regardless, him and his sister, so um, you know, you I don't look past anybody. I did that before, and uh, I have a blemish on my record for that. So we're training as if this is a championship fight right here in itself. Um, you know, you got to hold respect for every guy that prepares for a fight and gets in that square circle. So right now, man, we don't look past him. We know he's going to come with his A game, and we're going to come with ours. And we actually had David Benavidez on our show last week. Now, even though you're fighting on the undercard, I bet you've got your eyes on the winner of that fight, surely, right? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, whether, you know, any opportunity at a title, IDF, James DeGale, um, who, the winner of the WBC, the Superman Ray Belt, uh, the winner of Graville or Benavidez, it don't really matter to me. You know, I just want the opportunity to, uh, 
you know, to fight for one of those titles and win one of those titles. And for a long time, and I remember talking to you a year ago, and um, I asked you about this fight, and we thought it was going to be made, but it just seems like it, maybe it's never going to happen. What What is the score with the Rocky Fielding fight? Is that fight a fight that's never going to happen now? Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm not really worried about that. You know, uh, you know, I got other things on my plate as far as you know, fighters and who I who I could fight. You know, if the Rocky Fielding opportunity comes up, then it does. Um, here it is. I have a fight on September 8th. I'm not really worried about Rocky Fielding. You know, uh, if it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. No, fair enough. And obviously, um, you know, Chris Eubank Jr., he's moved up to super middleweight now. Um, not only that, but he was also out in Vegas for the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Last time you were on the show, I remember talking to you about his father. You kind of put his father on blast a little bit. Are you guys cool now? You know what? Honestly, I, I spoke with his father yesterday. Uh, you know, I matured a lot, man. You know what I mean? Uh, you, grow up, you grow up a lot, and... I saw his father, and he actually showed up to my charity event, one of my charity events, and uh, this past Sunday. And uh, you know, he didn't have to come. I don't know if he knew, it was, you know, I was a part of the charity event or whatever the case, but he showed up, and that showed me right there. I, I, it gave me a lot of respect for him. You know what I mean? Regardless if he showed up, he, you know, he just showed up for the event, which was great, and it was for a great cause. So um, I, I thank him yesterday for that. I told him, you know, I know we got our differences, but I really appreciate you, you know, for showing up. So, and he did. And, you know, I never really had nothing against this kid, you know, Eubank Jr. It was more of his father. But outside of that, man, you know, that's years ago. You know, I'm over things from years ago, man. And, you know, I respect them all as men. You know, son is a great fighter, champion. You know, obviously the father was a great champion as well so you know uh, you know I, I, I want to clear the record and say you know I want to take back the things that I did say about them uh, you know I'm an adult you know I gotta you know, hold myself accountable for my words and the things that come out of my mouth initially never really harmed me or did anything words are words and you know you gotta be able to get over that so I am a man and you know I apologize for bad, bad mouthing him but outside of that, he showed up to the event, which was really dope, man. You know, uh, and, you know, it is what it is, man. It's, you know, it's over and done with. You know, I can't sit here and say anything bad about him. No, that's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. I didn't, um, you know, I wasn't aware of any kind of charity event. Do you want to say a few words on that at all for the listeners? Oh, yeah, sure. We did a charity event this Sunday, me, Boone Cups, um, and uh, McKinney Motors. Here in Vegas, we did. We all teamed up, man, and did a, a charity event for, uh, you know, the Candlelighters Childhood Cancer Foundation in Nevada. You know, we met a lot of kids. You know that, and so it's it's, it's it's unbelievable. They're the real fighters, and we get in there fighting. You know, but these kids are fire. You know, battling the cancer. You know, battling cancer, and you know, um, and some of us are just sent home and prepared. You know, the, these parents have to prepare, you know, to lose their child, man. So we threw up, we threw up a, you know, a, a great event Sunday after the fight. Floyd showed up, Chris Brown showed up, Trey Songs, Fabulous, so many other great NBA players and athletes and entertainers, man. They showed up in support, and it was so dope, man. We we had over three thousand people there, 
And, um, you know, it's all for a great cause, man. And, you know, that's what shows right there, you know. You know, we, we sometimes we wake up with bad attitudes because things don't go our way. And, you know, we're, we're mad at certain people in the world or we dislike certain people in the world. But I met these children that really could be so upset about so much because they really don't have a chance, man. You know, but they're the happiest children I've ever met. All they do is smile and just want to be hugged and loved, man. And, hey, that, that right there changed me, man. And, look, I, I just say, yeah, we got to do something. So, we, you know, we partnered with some great people, man, and we made the event happen. And it was fantastic, man. I, and I, I want to keep going from here on out, just doing charity events for these children, you know, giving them something, maybe some you know, some something, some inspiration to keep fighting, man. Like I said, these kids are five. You know, I met a kid, uh, Didi, who was only five years old, man, sent home, you know, basically told there's nothing they can do. But this kid was running around on the court shooting a basketball, just running around having fun, just smiling, laughing. And you would have never known he was fighting cancer and losing the battle. It's, it's, it's tragic man but well done to yourself and all those involved and um, you know may God bless these the, the, these these children you know who, who like you said haven't got a chance so it's uh Oh, it's, it's it's a crazy old world, but um, no, you know it's it's great to hear that you're doing your bit. That's that's you know that's incredibly nice of you. Um, yeah. Right, moving on, moving on now to. Uh, uh, to, to, to a bit more boxing. What did you make of the Floyd versus Connor fight anyway, Jay Leon? I thought that Connor did pretty well. Let's be honest, he, he did he did better than many people thought. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, he definitely did. You know, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't think he had real. You know, before coming up leading to the fight, I, obviously, you know, this 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 guy who claims he can do this and that is going to do this and that. I never really thought about it, but. He definitely showed a lot of people that he has a lot more skill than what you think he has, you know. And he's a really good stand-up fighter as far as the MMA goes, you know. Most of his knockouts are by stand-up. But outside of that, I mean, you in with the best of the best. And he done a very good job. I mean, it was very entertaining. Obviously, we see Floyd did what he wanted to do, you know, uh, he was able to take rounds off, and he had a game plan to just drown him out, you know. And it went, but it was very entertaining, man. And you got to give him, uh, you know, an A plus for the effort, brother. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, another fight as well. I wasn't actually going to ask you this, but then it's just kind of come to mind while we've been on the phone. Badu Jack, what a performance! I mean, it was, uh, you know, oh, yeah. we were, we were all interested. That everybody was saying that fight. Um, you know, Nathan Cleverly, Badu Jack, that fight was the most competitive fight going in on the whole card. That was the fight that drew the hardcore boxing fans in, if you like. And it was just completely one-sided. Unbelievable performance from Badu. Yeah, oh man, Badu, Badu Jack has been doing the, the, man, doing so good, man. You know, now a two-time division champion, um, improving every fight. Every fight, man. Every fight he's given a good show. Um, you know, I think he has wins over Lucian Boutte and James Miguel, to be honest. And now he's a WBA light heavyweight champion of the world. So, I mean, listen, Badu, that just goes to show you, man, you know, you can be counted out, but then you can always come back, man. You know, you can never count these guys out, you know. So, Badu has done 
done amazing things in the sport. Now, you know, uh, I'm happy for him. And he put on a great performance. It definitely was one-sided. It definitely was. You know, shout out to Mason Cleverly. He's a champion as well. He came all the way over here, you know, you know, put out a good shot. And, you know, you can take nothing away from him, you know what I mean? But, hey, Badu definitely stole the show with that. Yeah, yeah, completely. You're completely right, to be honest. A really good performance, really impressive. Um, the last real question I'm going to throw at you now, Jay Leon. We're, ask, we're asking everybody this, to be completely honest. Everybody we've been speaking to in the last few months, the listeners are probably get, getting sick of me asking it, but I've got to get your opinion. Canelo versus Triple G. Everybody's split. How do you see it? I like Canelo. I've, I've always liked Canelo. You know, uh, Triple G's last performances haven't been the greatest. We don't take nothing away away from him. This guy is very dangerous. I mean, obviously, he's coming into the sport and and just shooking it up, man. You know, these devastating knockouts, known to be this monster knockout artist. But I think Canelo, people are really kind of sleeping on him. You know, he's so talented. And there's only one loss to the great Floyd Mayweather Jr., you know what I mean? So, um I think Canelo is going to do what most people don't think he can do. He's going to beat and possibly stop Triple G. We've seen Ward do it against a top player, so it's always possible. So I'm just going with Canelo. I like his style. He's a younger fighter. Um, he lets his hands go, and he can punch. You know what I mean? He can punch as well. So I'm looking forward to a great fight. But, you know, you definitely ask for my choice. I'd say Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, as I say, everybody's split, but no one's quite sure. It's it's that much of a 50-50. Just before I let you go, Jay Leon, anything you want to say at all? Anything at all just before we let you go to any listeners that may be listening? No, man, I just appreciate everybody, man. You know, from the fans across the across the, the water in the UK, uh, you know, I get a lot of love from you guys, man. I get a lot of hate, too, but it's all good. I love you, though. You know what I mean? And, you know... uh I'm not going to lie, some of the best fans in the world, you know what I mean? You know, that's one thing I can say. You guys support your athletes, and, uh, you know, you guys support the sport, you know, the sport of boxing, which is great, man. You know what I mean? Uh, You guys are putting on some great shows over there. You guys are producing some great fighters over there. And I just want to say, you know, it's all love, man, from Jay Leon Love. You know, when I meet you guys and see you in person, it's definitely your great feeling to get some love from across the water. So shout out to you. Shout out to you as well, bro. You always been called and gave me great interviews, and I appreciate you. So, you know, just all love to everybody, man. You know, to the States here, you know. You know, shout out to all the fighters coming up and all the fans of boxing here. So I appreciate you, and it's all love. All love, my friend, all love. Okay, listen, Jay Leon, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Best of luck for next Friday, and we'll catch up sometime afterwards, I'm sure. All right, we will. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, the preview part, there's not too much to preview, but before we get on to that, we're going to go to Ayaz, and there's not too much news really either. We're going to go over to Ayaz now with the latest boxing news. Ayaz. Right, obviously there's only one news, and that is Nathan Cleverly has retired from boxing. Yes, Nathan Cleverly obviously went into that fight against Badu Jack last Saturday night in that big uh, that big card in Las Vegas, the big pay per view card. Um, yeah, as we as we said, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a good performance from him. He looked a bit shot. He's probably calling it a day at the right time for me. 
Um, you know, he's he's definitely got a lot of balls. Again, to go in there against Kovlev like he did, those fights with Tony Bellew, even though the second one wasn't all that great, the war he had with Fonfara, you know, he's kind of had like almost two careers in one. He's kind of had like um a second wind during his during his career. Um after being world champion for the first time and then and then of course the second time. But no, he's done Britain proud, he's done Wales proud more importantly. And um, he's been a great ambassador for the sport. He really has. He's he's a two-time world champion. He's been a good world champion. And, um, you know, you can't really say he avoided anybody. He took on Bremer. He wanted that fight for a long time. He went over to Germany and got the win. You know, he definitely gets my respect. And we wish him all the very best in his retirement, of course. That's yeah, it for the news, Isaiah. Yeah, that's it for the news. Okay, my man. Right, moving over now to the preview in. There's not too much to go on. We're going to start with a card that's happening this Friday. So tomorrow at York Hall, Bethnal Green, London. It is, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's one of those next-gen Eddie Hearn shows. I'm not too sure. If it's not a next-gen show, I'm looking at the uh, the lineup, and it looks like it probably is. But um, this is what is penciled in at the moment. Joe Caldina, 3-0, is in a six-rounder against Jamie Spate, 15-12. and 12. Um, obviously Joe Caldina, Olympian and all that, so it should be good to see him, another Welshman. Um, also on the bill, Connor Ben, 7-0, he's penciled to take on Kane Baker. I don't know who he is, but his record's 4-0, that's a six-rounder as well. Um, a few a few six-rounders on this bill. Felix Cash is on the bill as well, his record 5-0, he takes on Fernando Heredia, 3-1. Um, Jake Ball, friend of the show, he's in a 10-rounder against Joe Sheriff. Joe Sheriff, 11-0. Jake Ball, 9-1. Also on the bill, making his second pro outing, Joshua Boatsy, the Olympic bronze medalist. He's in a 6-rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. It was announced, but then I think that fight fell through, and now I think they're searching for a last-minute opponent. Lawrence Acoli's on the bill as well. His record at the moment, 4-0. Four, four knockouts as well. A very exciting fight to watch. He's in a 6-rounder against a yet-to-be-announced opponent. Also on the bill, Ted Cheeseman. His record, 9-0. He's in a 10-rounder. His opponent yet to be announced also. And Danny Dignam, 3-0. He's in a 4-rounder against Lewis Van Poach, whose record's 5-49 and 49 with one draw, should be a decently comfortable win there for Danny Dignam. That's it for York Hall, Bethnal Green and Eddie Hearn's card. That fight will be shown on Sky as well this, uh, this weekend, obviously, Friday. And, um, yeah, that's it from England, if I'm not mistaken, I think, maybe. Um, that's certainly it for Friday. Moving over now to Saturday. One fight to mention over in Mexico that's gone under the radar. Here, this one I has... Um, Firstly, I'm going to talk about the main event. There's a man called Carlos Ocampo, 21-0. He takes on Konstantin Ponomarev, who's got a record of 32-0. So both men combined record there. 53 and 0. Somebody's O's got to go, so that should be an exciting 12 rounder there over in Chihuahua, Mexico. But the main um, kind of attraction to this bill for us, anyway, Antonio Margarito, 40 and 8. He's way past it. He's taking on Carson Jones, 40 and 11 with three draws. That one has gone hugely under the radar. We know the Carson Jones, he comes over here to Britain and gives our prospects a good fight all the time. So, um, all credit to Carson Jones. We're going to be behind him as he visits Margarito's hometown of Mexico. So um, all the very best to Carson Jones. That should be a fun fight, hopefully anyway. And moving over now to the last bill to mention this week. It is actually happening in the UK. This one's on Saturday at the Doncaster Dome in Doncaster, Yorkshire. One fight to mention really on this bill, I think. Um, you know, there's a couple of fights. 
Jordan Gill's on the bill. His record's 16-0. and 0. He's in a... Uh, well, it doesn't say how many rounds, but he's going to be fighting his opponent yet to be announced. Also, Curtis Woodhouse returns to the ring, if I'm not mistaken, from about three years out of the game. His record, 22-7. and seven. Um, His opponent yet to... Be, in fact, it has been announced. He's taken on a guy. I can't remember his name, but he recently just went the distance with um, John Wayne Hibbert. So yeah, good a good um a good decent fight to come back to after three years out there for Curtis Woodhouse. Also on that bill, Maxi Hughes, sixteen and three with two draws, fights for the vacant um central area super featherweight title against Ryan Moorhead, who's got a record of nine and one. This one is a Steffi Ball promotions card there at the Doncaster Dome in Doncaster, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. And that's how we're gonna close out. We've mentioned a huge bill last weekend in Las Vegas. We're now mentioning and finishing on, more importantly, with a small hall show in the UK. That's how we do business. It's now time to welcome before we wrap up this show, it's been a fun show. It's now time to welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former footballer turned boxer and former English title challenger, more importantly, Mr. Leon McKenzie. Leon, welcome to the show. It's been a long time, mate. I know, so apologies. Just uh, busy life, and um, so apologies for not coming on sooner, but yeah, welcome. No, no worries, man. No worries. My fault as well. Now, staggeringly, we spoke to you last on the 18th episode of our podcast. It's been 82 weeks since we last since we last spoke to you on the show. It was just after the Kelvin yeah. Young fight. After that fight, of course, you took on Jermaine Smile for the English title, lost a split decision over 10 rounds. Since that, you mm. haven't fought, but Jermaine, of course, has been in two good but close fights against Daryl Williams, the most recent one being in July, in which me and you were sitting next to each other for that fight. I know that you wanted yeah. the rematch with Jermaine, but seeing as he's mm. lost the two fights to Daryl Williams, have your sights shifted towards Williams, seeing as he's the title holder? Well, I know, I know Daryl, um, known Daryl for years, even when I was first turning over myself. And, um, you know, the kid's done really well. That's that's the reality. I didn't know he'd, he'd even get um, this far um, when we were sort of sparring together and helping each other out early days. And I actually sparred him um, just before the smile fight because we thought we'd have sort of like a similar kind of style to smile. But um, he obviously smile didn't fight like um, that at all. So he changed it up a bit. But he's the English champion now. And um, I can only focus on, on, on what's ahead for me. And obviously what's ahead for me is, is the Southern Area title now. And... You know, once I get that out of the way, then we, we will see what was, you know, what's what's going on. Um, if he's still the champion, then of course, um, you know, I'm sure we can put all uh, gym affairs aside, and, and you know, we'll we, we'll make a great fight. I'm sure, but again, I can't, I can't look um, forward to him just yet because I've still got a very dangerous opponent in, in, in my eyes. So um, ahead, so um, you know, or you know, just to give um, Daryl credit, we're cool. We speak. It's not. There's no um, animosity. Uh, although he gets a little bit excited at times in in in, in a, a, with opponents and stuff. There's certain things that you know he wouldn't be doing with me. So um, we we I think we have that mutual respect. Well, I've got respect for him, but at the same time. He's English champion and, and, and deservedly um, and rightly so. So, um, you know, 
it is what it is. Uh, when when I get this fight out of the way, then we'll see. He sort of said, if I, I assume his words were, he'll fight anyone. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, I've been offered another big fight, um, which uh, my manager put to me, which I'll, I'll, I'll have a little think about that, whether it's worth going down that line as well. So we're just, we're just to see whatever's, whatever's right for myself. 40 next year, do you know what I mean? So, you know, it's, uh, it doesn't get any easier. So we just have to see how I do after this particular fight, how I feel. Um, but the way I feel, I mean, I'm in superb shape and I'm feeling in a, a very spiteful mood. Yeah, very good to hear, man. Very good to hear. So, as you said there, you're finally fighting next week. You had a few pullouts coming up to this fight, obviously. How many opponents mm. pulled out in your Leon and why? Alan Higgins uh, was the opponent that was scheduled to fight yeah. me. Um, he pulled out for for his own personal reasons. Um, you never know what goes on behind closed doors with a, a fighter or any, anyone in life. So can never be too judgmental to why someone's actually pulling out. Um, I don't think it was because he didn't want to fight me, but his mind is just not in a place where he feels that to, to you know, um, fight me, you know, his mind obviously would need to be right. And um, and that's fair enough. And um, his mind wasn't right. And he's got a few things going on right now. So I hope he um, sorts, sorts himself out and gets back in the ring for his own journey. But at the same time, he's gone now. And I have to look at um, who stepped in. It was a little bit unsettling. But, you know, Chalorenda stepped in and um, he's the one that's in my way. And I believe that our podcast actually had something to do with these pullouts because, as we, as we all know, Anthony Fowler came on here telling everybody you gave him hell in sparring. How was that experience for you, Leon? Anyway, and uh, is he the best guy you've sparred as well? No, I think um, everyone has different styles. I never really watch too much of how someone spars. There's, there's fighters that spar terribly. There's fighters that spar brilliantly. Sometimes I spar brilliantly. Sometimes I spar rubbish. It, it, it just it's, it, I never really looked too much into sparring. There's so many fighters out there that were so get, get so hyped on this. Oh yeah, you know I've done really good in sparring today and blah blah blah. blah. But it, it's not. It's, that's not where it's at. It's not. It's not real. It, it, you get as close as you can to fighting, and you work on. You, you need to work on. I try and work on what I need to work on to become sharper and, and fitness wise and everything else. But I don't get too tied up in now yeah like you know I, I put him down or you know I hurt him and all that it, it's just it's nonsense for me spot of many many champions um Anthony Fowler really tough kid you know um to the point of like it, you know the respect is there he's he's a light middle in, in himself anyway and he's he's definitely um you know rocking and rolling with me so all respect to him I like him as a kid anyway um, and I respect what they, you know, what they're trying to achieve. And uh, you know, I never knock anyone for trying to achieve their dreams and and actually having a go and, and trying to fulfil that. You know, the, the, most of us that do jump in the ring are trying to fulfil something. That, no matter what level you get to, um, you know, when you step in that ring, you step in that ring. So you know, all credit goes out to them. But you'll get the world champion gym fighters, and you'll get. The, the, the serious people um, who, who really do put on a show. Um, but, you know, I'd say I've sparred with many, I can never put someone 
in a category to say like, oh my God, like he's the best. But I've sparred with like Billy, Sa- Billy Joe Saunders, James DeGale, Chris Eubank, um, you know, Anthony Yardi. They, they, there's so many, they offer so much in so many ways and I've gained so much experience from all of them and learned so much with the, you know, the old man that I am. Do you know what I mean? But I think if you asked any of them, um, you know, from a sparring point of view or for just from a fighting point of view, I'm sure they'd have that respect for me regardless of the, the career I had before. I'm sure everyone now really understands that it's just a little bit different with me. It's not it's not um, that straightforward as in like, yeah, yeah, just a footballer. No, no, no. I can fight. It's as simple as that. It's in my DNA. And um I you know, I, I I enjoy fighting. And when 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 it's time, I know when it's time. I'm forty next year, that's the reality. So um there's lots I have to think about and, and, and the future and everything else and you know, the reality is for me is how far I can I can try and keep pushing and, and go and and get a couple of belts along the way, so be it. But um I'm not, you know, whether I leave the game with or without, I'm not going to um, beat myself up too much because it's, it's it's all about the trying for me to fulfil something that you always wanted to do in life. So let's get through uh, through through the next couple of questions here, Leon. Um, you know, let's get on to the reason you're here. Next Saturday, you're going to be taking on Cello Render at your call for the vacant Southern Area title, as you mentioned. Now, before we talk about the fight ex- itself, um, you you just lost out by the smallest of margins of winning a piece of silverware last time out, as we touched on. But this is your very next yeah. fight from then. And again, you've got another opportunity to win a piece of silverware, albeit slightly yeah. down a level. But how excited are you to be able to take home a belt finally? I've, I've took home a belt. Obviously, I won an international master's belt, but I guess in boxing, people don't really call that a belt. But for me, it was a personal achievement winning that in 2014 mm-hmm. because it's, it's been a it's been a you know uh, up and down journey, shall we say? So to to win something in a you know to win my first professional belt, that was something for me. It may not be to anyone else, but for me and my family, it was something. So I always always say that I have won something. But this is just now the levels that we always knew that we could be fighting at. And, um, you know, we take each fight as it comes and uh, we're, we're, we're fighting for, for very good titles now. And the Southern Air title is, in, you know, is there. It's something I'd like to win. Um, and then we'll see what happens after that. If I can, uh, yeah, it, it, it was such a close fight with the small fight. If, it, if I'm honest, it wasn't really my best performance. But, um, you know, not taking anything away from Jarmaine. He 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 was a little bit more awkward than I expected. And you know, I missed out on a on a marginal split decision really and um probably could have gone the other way if 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 there if there was other judges that weren't sort of scoring fake knockdowns, do you know what I mean? So it's just one of them things. But I'm never I never I'm never bitter from from uh, you know, certain things that happen. You just have to take what you can um, and, and 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 build and go again. And it's all about building the foundations and going again. So yeah, it'd be fantastic to win this Southern Area. 
good, man. Good to hear you say that. So, of course, your opponent, as we said, Chilo Render. On paper, you'd have to say he's the more experienced man. Obviously, um, as a pro, you've only had 10 fights. He's had 42. Not only that, but he's mixed it with some of the guys like uh, Jack Arnfield, Paul Smith, Martin Murray, Tom Doran, um, Alan Higgins, who you were supposed to originally fight, albeit he's lost to most of those guys mentioned, but he's certainly been around the block. What do you know about him, Leon? Uh, Kit Hewen, he's a, he's a, he's a puncher. Um, he's uh, experienced, as you, as you know, as is, as, he, as you just said, over forty odd fights. So he brings that to the table. Um, as for myself, he, yeah, I mean, he hasn't fought anyone like me um, in respect of like uh, you know what 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 I'm going to bring. So. Um, and I'm not sure if he's actually boxed a, a, an out-and-out southpaw in his whole career. So again, it, there's a few things that are, are, are gonna, um, we're going to see. And as much as everyone sees, says he's a puncher, well, you know, I'm pretty heavy-handed myself. So it might not look that way on paper, but I can assure you, everyone that has been in the ring with me will film me. So um, I respect every opponent, and I respect Chela Renda, but. The mood I'm in, the, the the way I feel, um, yeah, I'm just I'm just focusing on myself. I don't really focus on what's in front of me too much. Yeah, as long course. as I focus on myself, everything takes care of itself. It's as simple as that. Of course, of course. And as I mentioned also, the fight being at York Hall, the home of British boxing, a small but mm. atmospheric venue. And also, it's, it's your home ground in many ways. You happy to be fighting there again? Yeah, it's like kind of my home now, isn't it? I've, I've had many fights there now. It's nothing new to me. Um, and, I, and the atmosphere is great. I have all my, my family there, my two oldest children there. And we're, we're, we're ready. I'm, I'm ready. Everything's great. I'm on, pretty much on weight now. So we're good. Wicked, man, wicked. And the last couple of questions are just about a few other uh, other different things going on in and around your division. I wanted to get your your, your take on the World Boxing Super Series tournament. Arguably, mm. it's got the, the top four British super middleweights um, participating yeah. in it at the moment. You know, uh, DeGal, Groves, Cox and Eubank Jr. Ultimately, one man will be left standing at the very end of the tournament. Who do you believe is the best fighter out of those four? Seeing as you spied a couple, I'm not of sure if well. is the girl is, the girl, is he. Is sorry, the girl's injured? not. I'm not sure. Sorry, he's he's not. No, he's not sorry, my, my my mistake. No. It's Callum. Yeah, Chris Callum Smith, Jamie Cox, and, and George Groves. My apologies. Yeah. Um, um, I would have to say, out of those four, ideally probably Callum Smith for me, but can't write George Groves off just yet, to be honest, because he's like you know, he's a. Uh, He's a, he's a handful on, on his day, so uh, I think George may, slightly will probably just um, outbox Cox. Um, so I think Groves will probably win that fight. The Eubanks um, has got a tougher opponent, but I think yeah. Eubanks wins that. But I keep hearing I don't know much about Eubanks' opponent, but I really rate Eubanks to the point of that like, he's just a super fit. Um, just you know, he's just he's just there all the time. Do you know what I mean? So, um, I'm interested to see how he does more than anyone. Um, at, at that kind of level now, he's at the levels now where he obviously needs to be tested and hit on hit on the chin and 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 so forth. So, I'm interested to see how Eubanks does um, mixing it with the with with those type of fighters. But yeah. I'd probably say um, 
you know, I'd have to go for probably Callum out of those particular four, um, just being the, just like the potential of, of what I've seen. But he's been out of the ring for a little while, so who knows? Yeah, it is. Uh, I think he might be the favourite to win the tournament, Callum. But um, as you said, maybe yeah. so. But okay, he's been. At, you know, sometimes when you're at the ring a bit, you never know. You never know what's what, what one's going to. You know, what person's going to turn up. So yeah. timing and everything else and precision, uh, precision. So we'll, we'll see. And certainly, as you said as well, Chris Eubank Junior. Seeing him, at, seeing him at that level, I think everybody's waiting for that. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Yeah, you can't write Junior off because he's he's no. just got that sting in his punches, and he's very. Uh, yeah, he throws a lot when he sort of goes a lot. He traps you, and it's you know it's hard to sort of you know get out of the way. But then you've seen you know Billy Joe Saunders at the time when he did fight him, uh, a world class boxer. Eubanks may always have trouble with, so we're we're yet to see if he's um, matured with that as well. And also a huge, huge fight um, the week after your one over in the States, of course. Triple G against Canelo. I'm asking everybody mm. about this. What's your take on that one? Yeah. Well, I mean, Gigi's very, very um, unorthodox and heavy-handed. Um, the only thing with Gigi, I feel like he, he probably takes too many shots. And I feel like Canelo is the one to, if he sticks to what, the kind of type of boxer he is, I feel like Canelo can can maybe pull this off just with the variety of punches, the movement, um, and just being sharp because Gigi does take a lot of a lot of punches. Um, though he's very like you know comes forward and his total has that total pressure um, kind of style. I just think Canelo's just a little bit more smart. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go Canelo, but. And I'm just not sure because the way that guy punches, he just can never write that off. Do you know what I mean? So you just don't know. Yeah, I think, I'll go Canelo. Yeah, I, th- I think nobody's quite quite sure because it is. Well, I don't know because obviously he's a little bit smaller. I mean, he, he, Canelo obviously is slightly smaller, um, but you know, um, I don't know. I just don't. I think he could pull it off, but for me to sort of like be 100% with it, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think anybody is a hundred percent sure. We actually mm. had um, we actually had Jay Leon Love on on the show just earlier. He's on mm. uh, he's on yeah. this same show with you, and he as well went with um, Canelo. So uh, yeah, a few yeah. people going with Canelo this week. And finally, yeah. finally, Leon, just before we let you go, um, if you've got one, I know that you're not really a trash talk or anything, but if you've got any kind of prediction for your fight, how do you see yourself winning that that Southern Area Strap next week? Just winning. Just winning, I, I, no, no matter what it takes, I, I'll do what it takes to win. I never really called out predictions and what I'm going to do, whatever it is. But you know, I I I just like to to win, and I'll, I'll do that any means necessary. Yeah, listen, that is the most important thing. Just before we let you go, anything you want to tell our listeners at all? Anything you want to say to anybody at all? Yeah, listen, I just uh, you know thank you for all those that have supported me and and you know the whole journey from like switching over from football to boxing it's, it's, it's you know it's always it always takes a little bit longer to get that respect but thank you you know to everyone that does support me and also you know what anyone out there in life who's just really wanting to pursue dreams and, and push on and do what you know what, what you want to do to make yourself happy I believe that you can do 
anything you want to do. And the reality is, again, you know, I'm 40 next year. And, and I don't think really anyone really believed he needs to be really fighting for titles, if I'm perfectly honest, when I first started. So, you know, to be um, to be doing what I'm doing and be rocking and rolling with these strong, hungry 25, 26-year-olds, um, you know, it's a big testament to my story anyway. So um, I, I, I really believe that anyone can do anything they want to do. And, I'll, you know, I urge you to... To go and do it absolutely positive stuff inspiring stuff yeah. okay listen leon it's always a pleasure speaking with you mate best of luck for next weekend we'll of course be Cheers, rooting buddy. for you and hopefully we can catch up after the win i'm the top man mate 100 percent Okay, and this wraps up episode 98 of the Box Hard Podcast. It's been a good one. American August has now come to a close. We do things differently on this show, if you haven't noticed. Unlike other British podcasts, we reach out across the oceans to connect with top boxers worldwide. We don't just focus on London-based boxers. We like to branch out a bit. And also, some of our podcasts go out to press conferences. They record interviews and use the audio in their podcast. That is the sole reason we've never had the likes of Anthony Joshua on our show. Anthony Joshua, for example, just purely using him for an example. He does not do podcasts unless it's Sky Sports' very own podcast. And we're firm believers that a podcast should simply be created using the tools of a computer that's what we do we don't go out with dictaphones and cut corners we do things the old-fashioned way a big thank you to our two guests on this week's show both super middleweights both good people and both called leon jay leon love thank you for coming on leon mckenzie thank you for coming on also the biggest thanks of all though goes out to our listeners they make this show what it is it's the same every time without you guys we'd be nothing i've been your host joey coastman i as summer has been i as summer we hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast and we'll see you next time